Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Sound Arts Radio. We want to give God thanks once again for this opportunity to meet with you. And, uh, I'm going to ask that you pray, pray for believers throughout the world. Uh, this uh, radio show, well, goes out to several continents. I would want you to pray uh, for one another globally. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Uh, who all who are all uh, suffering in different ways these days? I'm sure that you have some access to some form of of information <clears throat> about what the economy is like where you are, what gas prices are like, what rising food costs you face, uh, etc. So. Uh, there are many pressures for believers throughout the world, so pray for one another. And uh, we need to be very earnest. And moreover, we need to have an attitude of prayer. I find that uh, to be very helpful to me, uh, to have a, a constant, or as a constant, to have an attitude of prayer. Um, it helps me uh, throughout the day. It helps me. Uh, to negotiate what I hear and what my experiences are uh, and what I see going on. So pray for yourselves, pray for the family, pray for your friends, pray for the church uh, within your local community, for the church, as I should say, and pray for your brethren uh, globally because we are members one of another in Christ. So we are to, as Paul, Paul writes about, uh, truth in itself in love, speaking about the church. And so as we expose ourselves to the word of God, we are built up in the faith through the word. And so if the Holy Spirit if you have been open to the Spirit of God and you have kept short accounts of sin <clears throat> and you have given up the lie of, of living uh, as a believer, uh, you know, before the world in a way that's ineffective, uh, and you have given up that, that is very important. Because now uh, the cry is, who is on the Lord's side? Uh, if the Lord is God, serve him. If the Lord is God, serve him. So it's time for the leading community to stand up. And this study is about just that. And 
where we find ourselves uh, in the last days. The last days, of course, in Scripture began uh, when Jesus said it was finished and he bowed his head on the Roman gibbet. And so when he died he, and he was buried in another man's tomb and he rose out from among the dead, uh, and he is the author of our salvation. He is the captain of our salvation. That's what we're going to So with that, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll be asked to pray tonight. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this time to meet together with your people. We thank you for this opportunity. We ask that the Spirit of God would unlock the stuff of Spirit. Because without the Spirit, Lord, we cannot understand your program for the ages and uh, what your will is for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Very uh, distinctly and very powerfully, uh, the book of Proverbs tells us that there is no plan that can succeed against the Lord. There is no plan that can succeed against the Lord. And I want to uh, re uh, <clears throat> reiterate that statement in the context of the the, the many technologies that have been put in place uh, in order to circumnavigate to, uh, to, and to circumvent uh, what God's plan is and what God is doing in this world. Because uh, men in their dark understanding uh, want to believe that in some way uh, they can subvert the Lord and his will, his eternal decree before the universe was even created, before there was uh, an amino acid, before there was a molecule. This was a part of the, the, uh, the decree of God that Jesus would come and that he would uh, rope himself into the flesh and that he would die on our behalf. But in their, in their dark mind, there are those who believe that they can, that Jesus, they teach Jesus is not God in heaven. They teach that Jesus is not coming back. And they teach that uh, they can overcome God and His will, and we will see in, in the Revelation that the the Antichrist, uh, the man of sin, is, is going to hurl insults for heaven and those in heaven, and he will uh, seek to blaspheme God. And so here's the the irrational nature of the cosmic system and why. Is going to culminate according to divine decree in divine judgment. So, Proverbs, I want to read to you from Proverbs uh, 21 30. Please uh, make a note of this verse, learn it, memorize it. It's very important. 
uh, Proverbs 21:30. Quote: There is no wisdom, no insight or skillfulness, literally, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. So it is imperative that today we as the leading community keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because this is the way that we know that we shall not be led astray. He is the good shepherd. And uh, he alone may conquer distinction to all others. Is the good shepherd qualitatively good? We know that about him. Uh, in his essence, the essence of his character uh, is his goodness. God is good. It is intrinsic to the divine nature to be good. God is good to us every day. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Now, we are in the cosmic system. Jesus said, be in the world, but not out of, be in the cosmos, but not out of the cosmos as a force. And we are not, because we belong to him. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so uh, we... Indeed, we are an alien community. We are the church. We are the called out ones of Jesus. And God has so determined how this, uh, this cosmos, how this age will end. He has decreed the telos. And that's the word that's used in the New Testament, T-E-L-O-S, the end, the completion. God alone has Holds the telos of this age in his hand. God alone knows the telos of each individual believer whom he will bring to completion in Christ. In the book of Colossians, Paul writes that ye and ye are complete in him. Right now, ye are complete. Notice the verse. You, you are complete in him. Notice claim is made for those who are in the cosmic system. Think about it. How uh, the, the blind leaders of the blind, how the men and women of darkness, how they have erased meaning from the lives of those who don't know Jesus. And the only meaning they have is within a politically expedient context. And in other words, as long as they can be used for uh, a, a desired end that uh, has nothing good for them. But when these people have carefully engineered meaning that is, a supernatural relevance or meaning to life. And it has uh, individuals uh, exclusively to focus their attention on ends, once again, 
that means that uh, there's no good in it for them. So the Bible tells us that the Son of Man, the Gospel Luke, has come to speak and save that which was uh, destroyed. And that is the sacred mission of the first advent of Jesus, his first coming. The book of Hebrews tells us that he will come again without sin. It is not to die for sin, but uh, but uh, unto salvation. That is to rescue us out of the cosmos. Paul writes that uh, in the last days, hard times will come. Hard times will come. So I want to talk to you guys very seriously about Ephesians chapter 6 and being ready spiritually, about being mature, about uh, Paul also writes about uh, hardship. Uh, knowing that we are soldiers of the cross, uh, we can no longer afford the luxury of the thinking of the cosmos. We have to become tough soldiers of Christ. Now, I've had an opportunity to look back on my life and how God has had to, what he has used to mature me and whom he has used to mature me so that I could become a mature believer. And I'm not going to tell you that I like it or what God was doing, but I see that under every specific test of pressure, God provided a way out, and the way out was through. The way out is always through, because when God allows divine pressure into our lives, that pressure is there to do what? Is not to make us angry, not to create and make us depressed. Understand that a lot of depression has a, a, a big element of selfishness in it. I want to be frank now because we can't afford uh, cushiony things. Uh, we have to become tough. But the pressure is there. It has been decreed by God in order to bring us security. And God has used certain things in my life to bring me to spiritual maturity. And so, and in that process, He applied uh, He applied myself so that one can see clearly uh, what is going on and uh, not be deluded and thus led astray uh, by the machinations of evil people. We are to put on Christ uh, and make no provisions for the flesh. I must starve the flesh. Well, okay, so I'm going to starve the flesh by saying, you know, I'm going to deny my, my flesh. No. It's not the way a believer destroy uh, the stars of flesh. And not only only the star of the flesh, but Paul writes, put to death 
that is to reckon us dead the flesh. If we speak those things which are above, we are to put to death the flesh. There is a volitional act that takes place in which one determines that the flesh will be crucified in his or her life, or in my life, to crucify the flesh. And along with that, with its affections and lust, Jesus is coming again in his glory. Please read First John where he talks about, he says, look, we want to live in such a manner that we, that, you know, we are not we don't turn away in shame when it appears. Please read the book of Titus. They have come teaching us to deny ungodliness. Read Titus and read first John. Now I want you to know in Paul's letter, uh, his first two letters were first and second Thessalonians. And he deals with very important eschatological issues. It is issues related to the last days. But, as you notice, and also Peter, uh, within the context of dealing with uh, important eschatological issues, they talk about our conduct as spiritual believers. How are, are we are to live within a, a particular age or community or time. Who we are to be. We are to be far. We are to be light. So, John, John was, was uh, banished from God. Uh, Book of Revelation 1, he was banished banished from from Roman society uh, to a a small island, a rocky island in the Aegean Sea. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 4, 17, quote, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first began at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Verse 18. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Now, in verse 13, in verses 12 and 13 of the, second, of the same chapter, verse Peter 4, 12 and 13, quote, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you or test you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers or participate in the sufferings of Christ, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad 
also with exceeding joy. Please read Second Peter chapter one verses three and four. So this is what the Bible teaches believers, the believers community. And uh, so now verse seventeen again. Uh, for it is time that judgment, judgment must begin at the house of God. So when we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, uh, we read these words. And in verse 1, we read uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, or the revelation concerning Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants the things which must come to pass, uh, which was shortly come to pass, and he sent them and signified or signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, listen very carefully. There are podcasts that specifically talk about the sensationalistic do- uh, doctrines of the Antichrist. And uh, what is what, what is the mark of the beast? Well, the word mark in Greek is character. C-H-A-R-A-C-T-E-R, the character. It means a marking or an engraving. That's the literal meaning of the word mark of the beast. It is character or engraving. So I want you to understand that. And the number 666 means is the number of incompleteness. It is the number of a man. Uh, and so incompleteness, that which lacks divining completeness, the number uh, seven is the number of completeness. And so you will read about, uh, about this also in the book of Revelation. You will read about incompleteness, the man of sin, 666, and you will read about completeness. So uh, I just want to clear that up for you because I don't want you confused about what this thing means. Now, um, so when we get to Revelation uh, chapter 1, and John in verse 9 says, I write, quote, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, within the aisle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I heard recently that the leaders of this uh, present darkness said that uh, they want to get rid of the old religions and they want to bring in a new religion controlled by AI, by artificial intelligence. They want to get rid of the old religion. Now, I don't know what that means to you or what you think it means, but the context of the writings of Paul, if you would read uh, the first book of church history, the book of Acts, the New Testament, written by Luke, the physician theologian, uh, you, will, you will read about uh, the word of God. And we will read about those of the way. That is, the, the original uh, name of 
for the believers unit and how they were persecuted by human government. In the book of Zechariah, the Old Testament, a post-exilic book, he talks about the end time Babylon along a religious system. He talks at length about this system and what it what it will be. He talks about um, um, a woman as the personification of sin. So I'm going to go over that on Sunday. Uh, Lord willing. And uh, the book of Zechariah also talks about the scroll. The scroll. The Revelation, the book of Revelation talks about the scroll with the uh, seven seals, which means, again, the number of completeness, completely sealed. And uh, what those seals represent. So, John, in verse 10, writes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You will see the same language in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a very fascinating book. Uh, Ezekiel is fascinating on many levels. Uh, The laws of physics, as we know them, are completely set aside in the book of Ezekiel. What does he mean, I was in the spirit of the Lord, or I was lifted up between heaven and earth? The language is incredible. Uh, Ezekiel talks about God's chariot throne and uh, that uses a system of proportion that we do not understand. And uh, so, and Ezekiel said he was able to look up through and see this form on this throne. So it was fascinating. And uh, how God used this prophet and, prophet and what God showed uh, this prophet. John is also fascinating, too, in that please understand that these writings are of mature and by mature believers, men whom God uh, has matured through the Spirit. And he takes them out of the normal or what we think is normal, the normal space-time environment. And he introduces them into an environment uh, in which he is in fast communion with them. And they are entrusted with his message. So John writes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You and I are looking forward to the Lord's day. Uh, In 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter 3, uh, Paul writes about man's day, man's day. And he says, it's a very small thing that I am judged uh, by you. Uh, and so I, I love the language because he is not going to allow, Paul's going to allow himself to be hindered or limited by human wisdom or insight. He's done with that. So uh, he talks about, in 1 Corinthians 3, he talks about their carnality. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse, uh, I'm going to start at verse 
uh, verse 2, uh, he writes, well, let me start at verse 1. First Corinthians 4, 1. There, uh, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And that's who we are. We are stewards. We are servants uh, of the mysteries of God. If you are a pastor or a believer, uh, you are a steward of the mysteries of God. Of course, of course you're talking about the, the apostles. They're stewards of the mysteries of God. Period. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Period. There is no other criteria. That is the sole criteria or criterion. Absolute singular. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Verse 3, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. See, there are people who live their lives around what others say and what others think. And you see the, the, the complicit idolatry. That I should be judged of you or of man's judgment or really, or of man's day. Yea, I judge not mine own self. And so uh, he, he talks about, and so in the, in the theology in the New Testament, he talks about man's day. This is man's day. You and I live in man's day. We also live in the times of the Gentiles, which are coming to an end. So, uh, very important. And uh, so, when we go back to Revelation, uh, John John sees the Lord Jesus. And in the Lord, and in verse 11 of Revelation, when Jesus says, I am the Alpha, that is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the Omega, the last letter. Of the alphabet, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. So, uh, with Moses, God said, What? Write down the ten words, write down the ten commandments. Don't let these people fool you. Uh, in the, uh, they like to talk about prehistory, but what we have come to realize is that in the oldest cultures, culture found in the deepest strata found on tells uh, that we found, uh, there was writing and banking and astronomy and roads and schools and medicine and hospitals. And there were giants. And these people uh uh, had great caravan routes, not only on land, but these people traversed the ocean. So there are ancient maps, and to see that these people were able to circumnavigate the world. Don't let these people fool you into believing that humankind originated with guttural grunt. So, John says in verse 12, 
And I turned to see the words that spoke with me, spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks in the midst of the seven golden, seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, a designation that's prominently used in the Gospel of Luke. Clothed with a garment down to foot and gird about the path of the golden girdle. And that he sees Jesus in his high priestly garb, in other words. His head and his hair were white like wool, which bespeaks eternity and wisdom. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Our works will be exposed to the fire. When we stand before him in judgment at the judgment uh, seat of Christ, at the Bema, we will be judged for our works and see that is being done in the body, our post-salvation uh, lives. What did we do with the time that God allowed, allowed to us? What did we do? How did we live? We will be judged for our works. Our works will be judged according to gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hand, shovel. Now notice, gold, silver, and precious stones uh, are, you know, we get them from the earth, and you have to dig them out. But notice, wood, hand, shovel, things that appear on the surface. They can be large, they can be huge, they look big, but wood can be burned, Hay can be burned, stubble can be burned away, and nothing left. Or think about what God is saying. So his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like as a fine, a fine brass, as if burned in a furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now, this is whom John saw. This is the glorified Christ. And what does he do at the beginning of Revelation? He talks about the seven churches of Asia Minor. Notice, note what Peter says. Judgment will begin at the house of God. Notice what the Bible says. Judgment begins at the house of God. Notice, at the beginning of the book of Revelation, John uh, used to do what? Write down these letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor. The book of Revelation opens. The eschatology of Revelation opens into And God is speaking of whom? The church. Just it begins with us. One does not open the book of Revelation and immediately give to the Antichrist. There is a logical progression. There is an unfolding of God's plan. Judgment begins at the house of God. So, well, if judgment begins with the world, I don't have to be mindful of my sin, my lust, uh, all my adultery, all my 
uh, idolatry and all my lust because Joseph's going to get the world. God's just going after them. I'm fine. I'm a king's kid. I only use that last expression because I heard someone say that a long time ago. Interesting attitude. And that attitude is not found in any document of, the old, of either the Old Testament or the New Testament. Now, in the book of Malachi, one reads about those who brought God, the lame and the blind, and the hope uh, as a sacrifice, whereas the godly, David, whereas the one, the David who loved the Lord said, you know, I can't give to him what costs me nothing. That's the attitude of a believer who loved God. You know, and so in his first church, Ephesus, uh, we read the word of the church. It was an, an urgent appeal uh, for change in mental attitude in Ephesus because their love had grown cold. Thou hast left thy first love. And, you know, in Pergamon, we read about where, verse 13, where Satan dwelleth. In Thyatira, uh, there we have Apollo, the chief deity. Uh, and notice that John uses exacting, or Jesus uses, uses exacting detail as he tells the churches of Asia Minor of his exhaustive awareness of their work. God has an exhaustive awareness of what we do. What do we find in Thyatira? We have a woman by the name of Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she has seduced the leaders thereof into a sex cult. Judgment begins at the house of God. Then uh, at Sardis, we read in chapter 3, uh, God says, Jesus says, I have not found thy works perfect before God. Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, uh, they are commended. He says, uh, verse 8, I have set before thee an open door, or a door open. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. I know what this means. For thee an open door. Well, no, you can't do it. Well, I'm not going. I'm going to do everything possible to keep you from opening. Or I'm not going to let you have that. Oh, I'm not going to let you walk through that door. I've heard those words many times, but, and they only see me, you know, they only hear my voice. They don't know that they don't know the God I serve. He is an old soldier. He is a veteran warrior. He is a highly skilled, a highly skilled warrior who has emerged from many battles. 
that I am with him. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, testing, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. This is Revelation 3.10. I need you to get the language. Well, I accepted Jesus years and years and years and years and years ago, so I am not worried I'm not concerned about my sin, my lust, and the stuff I do, whether or not, you know, these things are acceptable to God, really. The last time you prayed, the last time you talked with God. Remember what Jesus said about the coming of the Son of Man. He said, just as it were, it was in the days of Noah. They were marrying, living in marriage. Until what? Judgment said. Well, let me look around and see what other people are doing. Well, if other people are not concerned or not doing certain things, then I'm okay. I must be busy about my father's work. This is what Jesus talked about. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Don't be swept away by watching these people who know my God. I'm telling you, there are believers who watch unbelievers. Well, they seem to be getting in the way of doing this and that, but notice how the devil uses them to bait you away from Jesus. And notice the bait he used in Genesis 3 with the woman to bait her away from what she knew about the word of God. He's a master of bait. He knows how to bait you. If you have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust, they don't work on you anymore. Pretend, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of testing, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. O man, listen to the language. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Go back to the word. If I am in sand, if I have been in a particular type of sand, there are certain things I'm not going to teach from the Word because this is where I'm convicted and I'm not going to teach anything that's going to hit me and you find that I'm in sin. No. Uh, but when I'm free of sin and I walk with God, then I can, I can teach you the whole counsel of God. So, then he goes on. The last church is Laodicea. And uh, this was, in other words, Laodicea is the city of compromise. And they had left God. But then, in verse, uh, Revelation 4.18, Jesus says, I counsel thee. 
In Isaiah 9, we read wonderful counseling. Jesus is counseling the people of this church. Buy of me, that is of Jesus, gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. God willing, we will complete this lesson on Sunday morning. Please pray for one another and pray for me, my family and I. I do thank you. God bless you. Good night.